Welcome back. Um, perhaps you're getting used to us at this point in time uh, chasing rabbits down warrens, but um, I think it's worthwhile um, touching base or um, you know developing a little bit more of what we thought about at the end of our last episode in relation to finances. Now, uh, you know, my, my conviction is that, well, it's not a conviction. I believe the truth of our position is that we are in the Father because of Christ, and Christ is the head of the kingdom. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and, and we are his people, and he's the head of the church on this earth as representatives of the kingdom, ambassadors, if you like. And, um, and so anything that inhibits our ability to freely function on behalf of the kingdom on this earth uh, should be looked at seriously so that we can unencumber, if you like, cut off the ties that that uh, hold us down. And, and, you know, I've mentioned before in a podcast that Wolfgang Simpson says, what makes the world go round? Well, it's money. And and, I, and I'd, I'd like to think that I have no inhibitions financially. However, some of my attitudes and desires and envies and discontentments lead me to make decisions that uh, have me then functioning out of obligation to the financial commitments that I've had. And, um, you know, Peter mentioned, uh, I think last time around, about the couple that had an epiphany and, and uh, a near-death experience slash epiphany that caused them to get into a whole bunch of debt. And uh, I think as, as people who are representing Jesus, the main thing is that we want to walk in the freedom that he gives us. And it reminds me, and I don't want to misquote it, but it reminds me of Galatians chapter 5 where Paul is relating to getting tied up again into slavery of the law. And he says, so Christ has truly set us free. Full stop. Now make sure that you stay free. So he's delivered us, if you like. He's taken the um, Israelites out of Egypt. Now let's stay free. Let's not go back to slavery. And uh, and I wonder, uh, Peter, as we think about uh, living sent lives in Christ on this earth for the time that we have, you know, how much those financial decisions that are born out of all sorts of deep things and longings uh, inhibits our ability to to live that life. There you go. There's a, there's a big one. I think you've got one minute left. Yeah. Well, they say money makes the world go round. What a lie that is. We live in a society where money is actually a it, it's it's a commodity that represents what years ago would have been a, a good or or some goods. You know, back in the day, and I'm talking about uh, hundreds or thousands of years ago, people people would trade one commodity for another because I need this, so I trade this with you, and you give me that in return. And then what happened is we, we then printed something that, uh, for example, the word salary comes from the word salt because Roman soldiers were paid in salt. Salt was a commodity that everyone needed back there, so they were given it. It's not, it's not like this thousand dollars a week is my right, therefore uh, I must have it so that I can spend it on what I like. You know, from the beginning of time, goods were traded as they were needed for the benefit of community and for uh, a person's life to be sustained. So one of the keys in addressing this whole thing actually lies in that verse that you chose from Galatians, or that you were led to, from Galatians 5, 13. And it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, 
but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Oh, wow. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Or, as Eugene Peterson puts it in the message, uh, don't use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want. Yeah. And what I see happening today is, in the area of finances, it's, it's my money, it's my life, it's my finances, it's my investment, it's my superannuation, it's my house, so I will do whatever I want with it. And I come into some money, so I will go on a cruise, or I will get a bigger car, or I will get a better car. And, and what, what Galatians chapter 5 says is that Jesus has set us free, and, and we know that the whole message of, of sonship and adoption of sons is about freedom. You know, God didn't. Uh, God has set us free from slavery. He's brought us out of Egypt, and He's led us into a, a place of freedom and opportunity. And when when Christians live under the King and His kingdom, finances are a resource to bless ourselves and to serve one another's in love. So there's a huge difference between wealth and riches. Yeah. You say, yeah? What, what do you know about the difference between wealth and oh, riches? I'm not going on what I understand about it, but um, a friend of mine called Peter Fitzgerald talks about, you know, the difference between wealth and riches is wealth is when there's a natural resource bound with toil. So a farmer is a good good example of someone who's building wealth. Riches is more the um, the speculator that kind of, you know, depository notes and, and um, managed funds and promissory notes, if you like, uh, that represent something which may or not be able to be liquidated and you don't actually have to exert effort. So that's his distinction. So yeah. it might not actually be in yeah. line with what oh, you were thinking. No, yeah. it's exactly what I was thinking. Wealth is uh, wealth is something that is tangible and riches are something that can be lost in, in, a, in, a, in a moment. In, in a trade. Yeah. And in, in fact, they may not actually really exist. That's true. Yeah. That's so true. one day the All Ordinaries Index is 5,500, the next day it's 2,500, and a lot of people lost money. Yeah. But that money was never there in the first in place. In theory, yeah. Exactly. And so is it wrong for Christians to pursue riches? I would say quite categorically, yes. Yeah. Why would we invest? You know, the Scripture's full of it. Uh, why would we give our toil, invest our effort and energies in something that not only doesn't last, actually really doesn't exist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many of us have been brought, many of us are naive when it comes to finances, but also many of us know that we've been brought out of an Egyptian slavery where, when it comes to life in the kingdom, where uh, we don't want to be enslaved to systems that serve a human being or a cause or an institution. We've come out of that into freedom, but then what we've done with our freedom is we've gone from Egypt to Babylon. Uh, as we know the children of Israel did, and we end up getting taken by Babylon. And it's interesting that, that when I say Babylon, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about an image or a picture yeah. of uh, an empire that seeks to gain prominence and domination by overpowering others. And, and so we, we come out of Egypt, we get given freedom and opportunity, and then mostly through the exercise of financial choices, we bind ourselves to a worldly system that is at odds with God's. Now, how do I know it's at odds with God's? Well, I know it's at odds with God's because of that verse in Romans chapter, in Galatians chapter 5, where it says, you're called to be free. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. 
rather serve one another humbly in love. Whenever we're indulging the flesh, and by indulging the flesh, I'm not saying about enjoying some chocolate or enjoying some red wine or enjoying a holiday on the Gold Coast. I'm talking about living a lifestyle of getting, hoarding, keeping, maintaining and gaining for myself. You know, It's essentially the sinful nature. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what, what does Wolfgang say? Earn... Um, something work, earn, pay taxes, and burn. Right. That's many people's approach to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're born, you earn, you pay your taxes because one day you're gonna you're gonna die, and so we might as well eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah. And yeah. in other words, indulge ourselves the whole way. The opposite of that is serving one another humbly in love. And, and so, uh, the Second Corinthians nine principle is that is that God has blessed followers of Jesus with capacity for wealth creation. I think it was it was at Moody that said, "Earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, give as much as you can." Exactly, and, and the, the whole point of Second Corinthians chapter nine is that uh, God says, "He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us." For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. In other words, what he's saying there is uh, that God can increase the wealth of people so that they've got more to sow into the work of his kingdom. I I remember working for uh, Big Robin and Josh and Lady Robin on the harvest, and there was no truck in the paddock, there was no field bin in the paddock, so I got on the CB to Robin and I said, oh, where do you want... I had a chaser bin full of uh, grain. I said, where do you want this one put? And he said, oh, this grain is going to be next year's seed. Can you take it into the yard and put it into one of field bins in the yard? Mm -hmm. So I take, you know, 20 ton of wheat and I stick it into a field bin in the yard. Now, that was about four years ago. If that wheat was still in that field bin in the yard, then I've got to say to Robin, you idiot. Yeah. Because it was put into the field bin for one purpose. And that is to sow the very next year so that out of that one field bin of 20 ton, ton may come 200 ton. What an idiot to keep it in the field bin. Only a fool would say, we've got to preserve this. Yeah. And so the kingdom principle is that God can use what we scatter and sow and invest to increase a harvest of righteousness, not to increase riches for ourselves. Harvest of richness. Not to increase a harvest of richness, but to increase a harvest of righteousness. So I love it when I hear about Christians being given greater capacity and uh, and, and greater blessings to sow. I, I, I think there's some really important distinctions you're making there, Peter, that... You know, time doesn't allow us the ability to develop. But um, what's... Oh, this is only a tease. You know, this, this yeah. is days and days of of, of uh, people sitting in a room talking about what this means, and then eventually uh, getting by ourselves or, or with husbands and wives and, and surrendering uh, to King Jesus yeah. in this whole area of finances. Yeah. But, but sorry, the, the things that you've got out of this. Uh, look, you know, uh, when you've been speaking, it's, it's been harking me back to the uh, the parable of the talents. And, you know, we, we can use Scripture in all kinds of ways, but usually it's to benefit the particular convictions that we have. Um, what do they call it? Confirmation bias, if you like, or proof texting. But um, one thing that's apparent to me in the parable of the talents is that any increase on the original seed or the original talents that were given is for the Lord. 
it's not for me. And I and I often mistake, you know, it's been my hands that have taught it. So you know, we've received this, but you know, it begins with Christ. He gives us the talents. We can increase it, but it's for Him. And so the harvest of righteousness, the generous, um, the generosity of giving is is really bringing money into the place it should be, and that is to serve the purposes of King Jesus' purpose or calling in our life rather than it being, you know, putting the cart before the horse or putting the horse before the cart. And does that make sense? Are there kind of some it's, of the reflections it's, it's, very, it's very interesting in the parable of the talents where, depending on which, which uh, account you read of it, one's given ten, one's given five, and one's given two. The ten and the five both invest theirs. The two hides it. And he hides it because he presumes the giver to be uh, a person to be feared. Yeah. And so two people invest, increase, and then return their investment and the increase. And two people experience joy. Yeah. Two people experience freedom and opportunity. The one who hides and cowers is the one who experiences fear because he operated out of fear. Yeah. And so when we operate... With yeah, the yeah. Babylonian worldview of let me get my riches, let me invest, and we try and manage our funds, assuming they are ours, uh, we're actually having a fear-based approach, and it will consume our lives, it will occupy our thought process, it will occupy... Uh, tomorrow's worries. Tomorrow's worries. Yeah. It, it will have us um, uh, stingy and miserly in giving. In fact, we will, we will develop arguments that convince us that we don't have to give and that giving is not necessary because the thing that goes from us when we are fearful is liberality. The first thing that goes from us is looking outside of ourselves. And and what that actually is, Craig, is what's talked about in Galatians 5.13. It's actually an indulging of the flesh because flesh is not just getting for me what I want. Flesh is the, the, the response of that third steward in the parable of the talents it's uh, it's it's going by what is rational and by what seems reasonable to reason. Yeah. Safe, and so operating safe. out of fear, he operated with what is safe. Uh, when when the Holy Spirit called Julie and I to a lifestyle seven years ago, where he would provide for us our every need, um, we were sceptical and dubious. And I can't tell you the amount of times over the last seven years I have had a letter written to everyone on my email list that is going to say, uh, we believe the Father has asked you to contribute. And not once have I sent that letter because the Father has always come back and said to us, uh, I am able to provide far more abundantly than anything you could ever manipulate or coerce out yeah. of people. Yeah. So again, like the recent podcasts, it comes back to trust, rest, margins, simplicity. Yeah. If we apply those things in the area of finances, and if we find ourselves uh, honestly saying, as I'm finding myself convicted even now sharing this, where have I been responding out of fear and where have I been responding out of the an indulging of the flesh, we ask ourselves, Father, what is there about you and your character, your promises, your disposition towards me, your love, your goodness, the fullness of your character. Father, what is there about you that I'm missing in relation to me that would help me in this area? I think that would be a a great place for each of us to start in the area of finances. Mm. 
very, very salient question, uh, Peter. And uh, I was actually going to ask something I haven't done before in a podcast is, is, is put a question to us, and that is, where are you finding that finances are bringing an inhibition to, know, to doing what you know the Father is calling you to do? Let's uh, talk next time. You got something else to say, Peter? Well, if we're going to talk next time on that, I've got nothing else to say. All right, good. No worries. See you later.